Okay, I'm starting off with a dollar question. If you get the answer right, you get a dollar. You gotta raise your hand first. What is my favorite sport? Aiden? No. Cagney? He said soccer. Yeah. No, and Ryan? Wrestling. Wrestling. Here, Ryan. I don't know if this is not going to get you. Wow. <laughs> wrestling. Yes. I love wrestling. It is one of my fondest childhood memories. I grew up in a wrestling room. Um, yeah, my dad's been a coach for 40 plus years, and a lot of my memories are being in a wrestling room. I have mad respect for the sport. Any other wrestlers in the room? Yeah, okay, okay, there we go. I think it's the best sport. We can fight about it later. But, um, yeah, this is this is how I grew up. And I was supposed to be a wrestler, actually, when I was younger. Didn't pan out. Probably a good thing for me. Um, but, yeah, I was just a huge tomboy. Like, huge tomboy. I loved my brother's hand-me-downs. I played with G.I. Joes. And there's this picture of me in our kitchen growing up, of me in uh, wrestling gear, like, uh, shoes and everything, this marine t-shirt, and I'm like posing, and one of my high school friends came in and saw it, and he was like, oh, what brother is that? And I was like, that is me, thank you very much. <laughs> so yeah, it was just such a fun thing that I grew up with, and I'm the youngest of three older brothers, so who else out here is the youngest girl of boys? Anyone? Is there anyone in this room? No? Okay, no one shares it. Sister, a little bit? Yeah, okay, so you get it, like, you get, you get the taunting, and, yeah, being like, yep, yep, I have many stories, got hogtied to a chair once, won't go into it, but it was a requirement in my household to be tough, like, that was just the nature of my household, and, yeah, outside of being the youngest of three boys, I was raised by an Irish Marine dad and a hardcore Italian mom who works for the FBI, I'm not making those up. So my family was just super gritty and intense, and we were wildly competitive. Um, it, it didn't matter if this was family board games or, like, who texts a family member at midnight on their birthday. Like, everything was a competition. And this competitive nature obviously came out in sports. So more of my story of my family. My dad was a D1 wrestler in the 10th-ranked school in the country at that time. My mom trained for the Olympics in volleyball and swimming in grade school before she started her career. Two of my brothers went D1 for sports, one for wrestling, and one for football. And then my, my oldest brother, he's a three-time sport athlete in high school. He had a career-ending injury. But, yeah, it's just something that we all had. We, we were a super athletic family. And, again, just reiterating this, I was wired to be tough and to compete at everything. That was, that was just in my blood as a kid. But what this really meant to me, which is where it got twisted very early, is that this was a laundry list of the things that I couldn't do. So what it meant to be tough and to compete at everything meant that I couldn't be weak, I couldn't show my emotions, I couldn't fail, and I couldn't be needy. And the problem with this mindset is that it minimized the deepest desire of my heart, which is the deepest desire of every human's heart, which is to be seen, known, and loved. So coming into high school, painting the picture of my high school, I grew up in Northern Virginia, which is a very competitive place athletically, academically, and career-wise. 
It's just saturated in workaholism and busyness and wealth. And I went to this huge public school. I went to public school my whole life. I was a, my senior class was over 500 students. And when I started high school, I was deeply motivated by this laundry list, which just led to me racking up as many accomplishments as I could. So yeah, in all, in all places, academically, athletically, socially, I just did whatever I could to be seen, known, and loved. Um, I was the most decorated senior in my senior class, just like all the, whatever you call these things, like the cords and the satchels and all the things going on to graduation, all the titles, vice president of my class, captain of my teams, just, just racking up as much as I could. I had this huge wall in my room that was like my shrine of all my accomplishments. Socially popular, homecoming prom court, was dating the captain of the upperclassmen football team, and that was like a huge trophy for me too. Everyone loved my relationship. So on all levels of the world, I was just like thriving and doing whatever I could to pour into that. And with that too, there's just no presence of God. Like again, I went to a public school. I literally was the only, there's one other Catholic I knew. There's one girl on my soccer team, but that was it. That was the only sign of God in high school for me. And because of that, like, I was known as the Catholic girl, even though what that meant was that I went to Mass on Sundays, I prayed before meals, and I posted Bible verses on my social media sometimes. And it was, it was merely a resume builder for me. That was the only standard of faith for me, too. So there's just no, there's no foundation of God besides being a cultural thing of being Irish and Italian and being raised Catholic. And here is the most dangerous part of my story. The most dangerous part of my story comes into play in this moment. Because God became a trophy in my display case along with everything else. God was merely a trophy in my display case along with everything else. So when I went into college, all this just intensified. I kept trying to fill this trophy case because that's all I knew. So with that, it was choosing a difficult major because I knew it would make me a lot of money. I continued to idolize my D1 running back boyfriend and be like the biggest fangirl ever. And I was just grinding my body into, into the ground as a Division I athlete myself. It was super intense and those who are going to play sports in college are such a learning curve that first year and you're just pouring everything into that. Imagine me like not pregnant right now, but like 20 pounds heavier of just lifting and like super, I was just so intense with lifting and CrossFit and all the things. It was just my life. It consumed me. Which with this, slowly but surely, I started to crumble. I I couldn't, I, I couldn't take the pressure anymore. I couldn't keep up with my major. My relationship was falling apart and my body started falling apart too. So this is my second dollar question. Again, raise your hand. How many knee surgeries do you think I've had? Adam. Nope. Five. Toby, get up. Five knee surgeries. I've had three, ugh, three ACL surgeries and two other cleanups. It's horrible. And that was on top of many other injuries that started in high school for me. But I was coming into college off of a torn ACL and was trying my best to just grind and be able to play. So again, as I, just this image of like racking up these trophies in my life, these trophies just started collecting dust. 
Like I wasn't there. They're starting to have a turning point the other way. I wasn't the hotshot that I was in high school anymore, and things were like dramatically falling apart. I went to church the first week that I was on campus, and I never went back. God, yeah, God just, like, was really just distant in the background. I didn't ever, like, reject it entirely and reject him, but, again, he was just a staple in this trophy mindset that I had about him. So, yeah, so God wasn't in the picture, and then I broke up with my boyfriend after dating him for five years, and I was recovering from my second ACL surgery, which, again, it was my fourth time being on crutches at that point in my life. I couldn't handle the pain, yet my fears of not wanting to be weak or needy or failing were loud, and they were controlling my life. So headed into my sophomore year, I just doubled down on numbing my pain. I treated my body like a machine. I started dating this other trophy athlete at my college, and I switched to another intense major. My sophomore year, I attended SEEK, which some of you went to this last, um, back in January. Um, I attended SEEK for the first time in my life, and that saved me in many ways, for sure. Like, that was a huge, profound moment for me. But once the emotional high of coming back from the conference was over, I was consumed again in shame and mortal sin, and it just left me at a crossroad with God. I knew he was asking me to surrender so much more to him, but I was just deathly afraid of what that meant. I'm not sure if I was aware of this while being in college. Like, everything I'm saying now is very reflective of when I was looking at myself, but maybe at this point is where I started realizing that it's like, oh, I really can't give to you, Lord, what you're asking of me. I had a big moment with a rich young man in scripture at this conference. And the rich young man, he's like, I'm doing all these things. What do you want me to do? God says, sell everything and come follow me. He walks away sad. And that's kind of the mindset I had. It was like, okay, God, this is cool. Like, I want to follow you. And I believe in some way that you love me and you want more for me. And I'm just going to like walk with my box of things. And he's like, I don't want all the things. I just want you, Aaron. And I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. Again, I was just deathly afraid. So this is where 2017, going into my junior year, was like this turning point in my life. And this next part of my story is depicted from a childhood memory I have. So when I was in elementary school, I wanted to scare one of my brothers by crawling through a crawl space through the ceiling and then dropping down in his closet and screaming at him. So... Um, we had this, we had this closet in our downstairs family room and it was stacked with VCRs. Maybe you guys know what those are. It's like these like square movies that, so it was just naturally as a kid, it made sense to climb this big tower of VCRs and try to jump into my brother's room. So as I was climbing, I fell, I hit the wall and I heard a bunch of things breaking on the other side of the wall. My brother's room, the the layout of his room, was that he had shelves lining his entire room, and they were filled with trophies. Filled. He just had trophies everywhere. And when I went around, I went to his room, I had knocked down this entire shelf of trophies, and I broke every single one of them. Every single one into his fish tank, all over the ground. They were just broken. And this, this is... 
the image that I get with how I felt Jesus encountered me my junior year was at the end of my junior year of college, I felt like Jesus bulldozed this display case in my life and just knocked down every single trophy I had ever collected, and they just broke. So going more into that story, as I shared, I was, I was fighting to get back from the second ACL surgery, and it was horrendous. It was such a horrible experience. I tore everything in my knee. My body was just falling apart. There's so many memories. I just have this one memory of me going to PT, going to practice, trying to just, like, keep up. And I came into the showers after and was just bawling my eyes out. Like, I couldn't even hold myself up. And, but I couldn't stop. Like, it was just like this. I can't do this anymore. And my coaches saw. They saw my body falling apart. They knew what was happening with me. They started having these serious conversations where I was like, I'm going to get cut from the team. And I would just, like, go cry to God. But was just like, no, this can't be taken from me. Like, I already gave up this one really intense relationship. I'm in another one right now. I can't. This can't go. <clears throat> At the end of that season, he cut me. And I was like, I'm going to prove him wrong. Like, there's big uproar on my team, whatever. I go into summer league, and I'm like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep competing. I'm good now. <laughs> I, I was in this, like, semi-pro league over the summer, and we had our last game. And I was like, <laughs> I literally, the sub bowl that was. I was like, Jesus, if you really don't want me to fight for this and play uh, soccer for college, I need, I need an injury to happen. And I, I kid you not, I was literally, it was, I was having one of my best games, and I was making a drive down the field, a cut, and blew out my entire ankle for the third time. And, yeah, I was done at that point. I was like, there's, there's, no, there's no returning on this one. So that all happened. I never and, – and with that, too, there's reality. It's like I never played a single game in college. I never, I never got anything that I wanted from this Division I, like, facade that I, that I had in my mind. I never played a single game. The trophy guy I was dating, he just couldn't heal my pain. It, it was not working. I tried pressing it so hard, and he couldn't heal the pain I was experiencing. So I broke up with him, and that was my first time single in seven years. I had no clue what it meant to be just Aaron Black on my own um, without sports or a man. And this anxiety and depression just started consuming me in ways that I, like, never experienced before. Um, so much so I couldn't even finish my finals. I remember I was in an, I was in an accounting final and I literally like could not breathe. So then I just started filling out all these answers, turned in and left. My grades are the worst they'd ever been before. Just every part of my life was just falling apart. Um, again, I couldn't hide behind my trophies anymore. Like there, it was just so raw. So in total desperation, I returned to confession, and I just fell apart in front of this priest. And during this confession, I was handed this paper. I forgot to bring it. I was handed this paper that I still have with the words Mark 5 written across it. And this priest told me to pray with this woman's story. He said, this might be weird, but I want you to ask her to share her story with you. And I want you to share your story with her. I'd never prayed like this before. Or even considered that reading scripture would actually heal me. I was still super raw. But it's what I did. And it did heal me. And I want to read her story to you. So Mark 5 is the woman with the hemorrhage. 
That's how it goes. It says, Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware of the power that had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see there's a crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. My story was very similar to hers. And as I sat and prayed with this, with this woman, I just, my heart was pouring out of just suffering for years and years and years. And nothing of this world could actually satisfy me or fulfill me. I finally was humbled and fell to my knees and was able to just let myself be seen by God. This was a huge turning point in my life. And in this prayer, I heard God so clearly speaking to my heart, saying, Aaron, if you not only let, if you invest into me the way that you did sports, the way that you did men, I will not only transform your life, but I will transform all the lives around you, and no human will ever love you like I can. And with that invitation, there is nothing else in that moment that I wanted more. And I just, it was a complete surrender to the Lord and wanting to follow him and be with him. So a few weeks later, after this experience, I attended my second focus conference, where again, my heart finally allowed itself to be seen, known, and loved by Jesus in a way that I had never experienced before. I was free to be weak. I was free to be needy. I was free to actually fail. It felt like God's love was this gushing faucet that was just filling and flooding my heart. One of the first speakers I heard that day, she asked, what if you gave God everything? And after receiving the Eucharist and going to Mass with thousands and thousands of people, I knelt down after and I heard again this clear voice in my heart that said, Aaron, I want everything. And I just cried. I just cried. I did not return to college as the same woman, and that entire this changed the entire trajectory of my life. So now, these places after that were just so radically transformed and redeemed in profound ways. I just have a laundry list of glory stories that have come from giving my life entirely to Jesus in this moment and allowing him to see me as daughter of God, not in this cliche way, but in a very real, personal way. And yeah, many things happened from that. I surrendered, rather than being consumed by 
sports, I was just super invested in campus ministry my senior year. I started leading my team in a Bible study where over half my team was coming. Atheists, agnostic, women that had never heard about Jesus who were showing up weekly to hear about him. I had a handful of us go on a mission, mission trip together, which was so beautiful and so good. One of the people, she's my best friend, she's the captain of our team. We both had such radical transformations that we both became focused missionaries together after. We both surrendered these high-top jobs. I was following my mom's footsteps. I was working for the FBI at the time and gave up everything because I said, Jesus, I want to serve you in this way. With that, I became a missionary to student-athletes at the University of Connecticut for three years, which was so life-giving and redemptive, just investing in athletes and being able to love on athletes the way that I had been loved on in college. One of them in particular, I worked with the basketball team pretty closely at UConn. Her name's Molly Bent, and she was the only one in her class that didn't go professional because she became a focused missionary. She was in my wedding. So many people from Focus were in my wedding. I met my future husband in Focus, and just just so abundant. Like I, I would never, I would never trade the life that I have now for anything that I ever imagined before. And that's the thing with God. It's like our plans for our lives will never ever remotely come close to outdoing God's plan for your life. It will never ever come remotely close to outdoing God's plan for your life. The marriage that I have now, the storyline that I have now, is far different than what little Aaron thought would be best for her. And wow, I am just grateful for God's intervention and divine providence. I want to leave you with something that 21-year-old Aaron wrote after that conference that she went to that changed her life. This is the last thing. I said, 2017 was filled with my hardest life lessons. <clears throat> There's a lot of suffering many closed doors, and a ton of tears. God broke me down this year and finally broke through to me on the real definition of what it means to be content in Christ alone, to not put my identity in anyone or anything else but him. And it is the most beautiful love I've ever felt in my existence. I am just as thankful for the closed doors as I am for the open ones because even God's no has goodness written all over it. The best and most profound romance is falling in love with the King of Kings. My soul is on fire, and this overwhelming, indescribable feeling of intense happiness and infinite love is something I long for every single person in my life to feel and fully experience. What if you gave God everything? Come and you will see. Come and stay. As St. Augustine said himself, to fall in love with God is the greatest romance, to seek him the greatest adventure, and to find him the greatest human achievement. Thank you.